Hello, I'm Mariet Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is three good to know points that impact your weight, health and autoimmunity. My guest is Bev Liebsen, mind-body eating and wellness coach from Ein Sarid in Israel. Welcome, Bev. Thank you so much, Mariette. I'm so, so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. To our listeners, after our conversation, Bev will give us her three best tips on eating and health, and then it will be fun question time. Bev, you were born in South Africa and you're now living in Israel. Tell us a little about your life. Okay, yes. I lived uh, 18 years in South Africa and then I actually went to live in Australia and I lived in Australia for seven years and uh, and then I landed up in Israel um, and I've been here now with my family. Uh, I have three children uh, for the last, I think it's around about 26 or 27 years. So yeah, I've been around the world. You know, uh, I think a, a lot of South Africans is, have immigrated, so we all seem to be uh, spread all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I must say that South Africa is definitely uh, still very much um embedded in my heart. I just love it there. I love it, love it, love it there and I'm constantly coming back. So even though I've left and I've been out longer than I have actually lived there, um it still has the special place for me. Oh. Always will. Good to hear. Bev, you've transformed your life against all odds. Uh, please tell us about your substantial health challenges and how you managed them. Okay. Um well, it actually all began uh, around, wow, it's about 26 years ago now. Um while I was pregnant with my daughter, I was um I developed something called Graves disease, which actually um happened during my pregnancy but but was only diagnosed about four months after my daughter was born. Um and at the time, I actually had no idea I had it it's a autoimmune condition that affects your thyroid and what happens is that your thyroid produces too much thiamine thyroxin in the body and um so it's like being overactive whereas hashimotos which is the opposite of uh, of graves disease is when you're underactive your thyroid is underactive and uh, at that stage i was very naive and I didn't know much about thyroids uh, or actually autoimmune conditions and I was given two options by the doctors they th- they said to me either we're going to take it out or I could have uh, I could just destroy a, a portion of my thyroid um purely because I'm very very sensitive and uh, I think they call me a statistic because no matter what medication I have um I seem to have the side effects and this is actually what happened with my thyroid So so what did they mean by destroy? Uh basically they they were going to kill off part of my thyroid because they gave me medication to reduce to reduce the thyroid's production of uh, this this uh the thiamine but unfortunately I had a terrible reaction to it I developed shingles or hives mm. and um so they said to me that no matter what brand they give me it's all based on the same medication just different pharmaceutical companies so i didn't have an option to be able to take medication but they had to lower the the production of this uh, thiamine because mm-hmm. what happens is that you if it's you know too high you can actually have a stroke and mm-hmm. i was at that point where they were really worried that it, it could develop into that 
So they, they, they basically gave me the option and I really didn't want to remove my whole thyroid, even though I didn't have much knowledge of it at the time. But I just don't believe, I believe that all our organs are in our body for a, for, for a specific reason. No matter what anybody tells you, they're there to do some sort of a job and to just take one, you know, to take something out just because a doctor told me to, I wasn't comfortable with that. So that's why I opted for the second option to actually take a medication called radioactive iodine. And that destroys part of the the, 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 the thyroid. They actually, I think they destroyed about 55% of my thyroid. Um, and at the time, I, I asked the doctor what what the repercussions would be. You know, what 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 actually was going to be the long term effects of of doing it. And he basically turned around and he said, "Oh, you mustn't worry. All you're going to need to do is take a tablet, and you're going to be fine for the rest of your life." Hmm. Well, I must be honest. That was the famous last words. I think I always think about those, and I say, "Hmm, very interesting how somebody can give you a, 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 an answer like that when it is." really not the case at all. Um, so what actually happened after that is it, it, it actually took me 10 years to balance my hormones in my body after I did what I did. And um, during that 10 years, I had a lot of health issues. Uh, one of the biggest things was that I was pregnant 12 times and I had nine miscarriages, um, losing three sets of twins during that time as well. And nobody knew why I was miscarrying. Nobody, I had every test anybody could ask for. Nobody could actually find a reason. And um, I think today now I understand because apparently your hormonal levels play a huge role in being able to fall pregnant or being able to hold a pregnancy. And uh, with me, because of the fact that I was up and down the whole time, we just couldn't seem to level, you know, balance out the the, the hormonal situation. Uh, I think this is one of the reasons what caused it. But it was just actually, it's quite amazing because I think if I knew then what I know now, there is no way I would have followed that that direction. Mm -hmm. um, but because I was so naive and I didn't know that there were any alternatives and I didn't know, you know, I just, I didn't feel that I had much of a choice. And I think that that, that side of things is going to come up quite a bit in my story because that's what I felt happened to me the whole time along, along my journey. Um, because after I had my ninth miscarriage, the doctor didn't know that I had twins and he actually landed up leaving one of the sacs inside when I had a DNC. And uh, this developed, obviously, my body went into complete hormonal uh, upheaval. And I developed three different kinds of psoriasis which progressed into psoriatic arthritis. And I don't know if any of the listeners know what psoriasis is. But, but please tell me. So, okay. It's, it's an autoimmune condition as well. And what happens, the, the most common uh, psoriasis is some people get it in their nails and some people get it on their skin, which is on their bodies. And it usually appears either on your elbows or on the front parts of your legs. It, but it can basically, on your face, it can appear anywhere in the body. And what it is, is that the, the cells, the, the skin cells constantly reproduce. They keep uh, uh, overproducing and it co causes like a type of, um, scaly sore, if I can call it that. It's like almost like a, a scab. It looks like a white scab that's mm -hmm. on the skin. 
and it's very itchy. It can be very, very itchy. And it, and, and, and it also is, when it's uh, really inflamed, it becomes very red and can be very, very painful. So that was one of the types of psoriasis that I had, which I, I, I didn't actually have it on my skin, on my body, but I had it in my head. It attacked my head. It attacked my, my nails. And I had another one called uh, internal. It's not as common, but uh, usually it attacks people that are overweight because it attacks the creases in the body. So it was really unpleasant for me as well. All three of them together were just, it was really, um, it, it actually took a year before a, a doctor diagnosed it because nobody nobody could understand why this was happening to my body. They thought it was a fungus and they, they just couldn't find out what what the problem was until I was, it took a year, as I said, mm. uh, to diagnose. Um, and then after that, apparently a common thing that happens with psoriasis is that it, it actually starts to attack your joints, which happened to me as well. So it's it's a form of arthritis. And um, what is arthritis? Arthritis is a infection or a inflammation in the joints in the body. So it actually, it attacked everywhere. It attacked my knees, my hands, my hips, my 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 elbows, everywhere. And um, I actually didn't know that I had it. And I went to my family doctor one day and she like said to me, wow, you know, who's your rheumatologist because your hands look so bad. My fingers all swelled up. I was in terrible, terrible pain. Um, I could hardly walk. I could hardly sit. From being this very active, uh, positive, really uh, outgoing person, uh, it was almost like I felt like a flower that had it just was wilting and was slowly, mm. slowly dying because it was completely debilit uh, debilitating. Anyway, I landed up going from one doctor to another doctor and alternative uh, methods and you name it, and nothing helped me. Quite honestly, nothing helped until eventually, out of desperation, I started taking biological medication. And that definitely did uh, relieve the pain with regards to my joints. But of course, biological medication comes with a side effect, not only one side effect, but a lot of side effects. And uh, what landed up happening with me is I was on it for two years and my whole right side of my body, I started losing feeling. And it felt like on my face that I just come out of the dentist and had an injection and it was the injection was wearing off. So I had this like tingling feeling in my face the whole time. Oh, that's very unpleasant. Yeah, it was terrible. And also the strength in my right side, just my whole right side of my body was completely affected by, by this medication. And so I went off it, but before I actually went off it, this is when I really hit rock bottom. And I'm not sure exactly when it was, but I started researching. I've always been very connected and very drawn to alternative medicine. And so I, I have a background of, I studied homeopathy and all those kinds of things. And so I did, even though I did try that route, nothing helped. But I decided that, you know, nobody seemed to understand me. Nobody seemed to be listening to me. Um, I felt exceptionally alone. In fact, at one stage, I actually thought I was going mad because I thought, you know what, am I not not hallucinating this, but am I am I just so fixated on 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 what's happening to my body that that I'm, I'm making it up, you know, like I'm creating it myself? Yes. Um, I just I thought I started thinking that I was going crazy, and just the one day, I just thought to myself, you know, 
I was researching something and I came across a, a medication that I found during my research. And I thought, you know, if I don't change my life and I don't start taking my situation into my own hands, who knows what's going to happen in the future? Because I could just see myself spiraling down. It, you know, for like three years, I was just battling. Four years, I was just battling this this real this real autoimmune issue. And I, I just can't emphasize enough how how alone I was. Nobody listens, you know, and, I, and, and I'm not even talking about then, I'm talking about even now. Uh, you know, whether it's alternative, whether it's not conventional, it doesn't matter. But I don't know, nowadays, I don't know if you can relate to what I'm saying, but people don't listen. They hear you, but they don't listen to you, if you if you know what I mean. So they they, they often in a situation, people just, or doctors or practitioners or, or coaches, I'm talking about everybody. I'm not only talking about the medical, the medical field. They treat the symptoms. You come to them with a problem and they look at the symptom and they, they start treating the symptom. But the problem is that that symptom is there for a reason. Something more, something much deeper is happening and creating that symptom. And that's what what made the difference for me is that I stopped treating the symptoms and I started trying to understand where it came from. Why did it happen? Uh, was there any way that I could reverse what had happened? You know, and I, I think that that for me is, is what I base my life on now is it doesn't matter the symptoms of what's, what's happening to you. It's what's causing it. Where does it come from? Why did it happen? Mm-hmm. And um, that's how my journey actually started. I just started investigating and researching and and just understanding what these autoimmune conditions do to our bodies. Why do they come? How do we react? What What is the connection between the mind and the body? Because there's a huge connection. It doesn't just happen. And that's what I did. I, I actually started studying. I went to study the uh, psychology of eating and I got a lot of mental help um, and started just tackling the issues that I think I'd been suppressing for most of my life. You know, the traumas, the decisions we make, the choices we make, why we make those choices, whether they're bad choices or good choices, you know, just understanding where it comes from. And I started understanding that you know, by suppressing all these things, these um, issues that I was too scared to deal with over the years, uh, I understood that by by suppressing them the whole time, the body needs to be able to release them. It needs to be able to deal with them. It needs to be able to to find an escape for these constant uh, challenges that we face. And it comes out in illness. It comes out in illness. It comes out in behavior. It comes out in all other ways because that's the only way the body can deal with it if you aren't prepared to deal with it. So um, that's that's that was like a huge thing for me. So I changed my lifestyle. I changed the way um, I ate. I started understanding the impact of food and how much it actually uh, plays a part in our health and our and our lives and how we think and how we, you know, even make decisions. And that's where I started channeling all my energy and. The amazing thing about it was that um, I started seeing all these changes. And today, I'm, I'd say, 98% psoriasis-free. And I've been in remission from arthritis since 2019. 
um, which is, is is pretty pretty crazy. I mean, my rheumatologist still can't get over it. She just mm-hmm. keeps saying to me, you know, like you're a miracle. How this doesn't happen? This doesn't happen. And the thing is, is it doesn't. And it's not that I'm saying that I have all the answers. And oh, if you do what I say. Or, you know, everything's going to change. It's not that at all because everybody's challenges are different. We all completely, we individuals, our bodies work in different ways. Uh, we process trauma and, 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 and life completely different. There's no cookie cutter uh, method, if I can call it that. And it's all a matter of experimenting. But what, what, what is important for me is that everybody knows and is aware that they have a choice and they're not alone, and just that there are alternatives. And and those those are three things that I felt I didn't have Mm. when I went through what I went through. And, um, you know, so for me, my passion is that because I just want to share as much as I possibly can with people because I don't want them to suffer and to go through what I felt I went through, which is really unfortunate because – you know, you just need you need you need a little bit of support and you just need to know that you're not alone and, and understand what choices you really do have for you to make the the most incredible changes. Um, I mean, you know, just by by tweaking your diet a little bit or by changing the time that you eat something can make such a radical change to your digestion and, and, and any type of digestive uh, challenges that you're having that it's incredible. When I listen to you, I realize it's a combination of awareness and then trial and error. And then you have this passion to support people in the way that they need to be supported because you didn't have that support during these difficult years. Absolutely. And and, and not only that, you know, just by speaking to somebody and, and, and feeling that you're being heard, makes a huge difference, you know, just telling somebody your story and, and mm-hmm. having them listen to you and really understand where you're coming from is, is a real game changer. You know, it sounds so, I'm sure a lot of people will, will sit there saying, oh, well, you know, yes, I've spoken and I, I listen to people, but do you really listen? Do you listen and, and see the, and feel, feel their pain mm-hmm. or feel their despair? Even with the mental health situations, you know, people that suffer from depression and things like that. I mean, I know that I experienced it. And and until you experience it and you understand it, do you really know what somebody else is going through? That's why for me, it's just so important because I know I've been there. I've experienced it. I know that feeling. You know, when you speak to somebody and you say, oh, yes, well, I feel this, this and that. And they look at you and they say, oh, okay, we'll take a pull for this and take a pull for that. And and you think to yourself, well, you know, do you really understand what what I'm saying? A pull's not going to take that away. That's why it's just, you know, for me. The support is, is 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 crucial, and knowing you've got choice, and knowing you've got tools to be able to deal with it, knowing that you can, you know, there's not just one person telling you. And and unfortunately, people get desperate, and when you're in a desperate situation, and you and and, and you really don't know what to do, you you end up believing everybody, you know, and you'll do anything, you'll pay anything. I mean, I, I shudder when I think of the the amount of money I wasted. Because I was desperate and I would have done, you know, if somebody said to me, listen, jump off the jump off a 10 story building and dive into some boiling hot water, it will relieve the pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would have done it, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what we do when we're desperate. And uh, there's so many people out there, you know, I think it's human nature, but 
a lot of people prey on people that are desperate. And, and it's a very sad situation, but, but that's a very real thing that goes on. Yes, yes. But fortunately, while you're talking, I know that you don't approach the work you do with your clients this way. No, no. And I know you have a, a holistic approach. And you, as you mentioned, you studied the psychology of eating. So that is one thing we're going to look at in a later podcast episode. But today <laughs> we're just going to look at one aspect of what you do. You've made a, a discovery, which to me is very important. And the discovery was that it's not only about what we eat, but that there are three crucial factors that we need to consider. What are these three factors? Okay, well, I'll just rewind a little bit because there's actually 11 foundational concepts oh. that play an enormous role in transforming your relationship with food and challenges with binge, emotional, overeating, weight loss, digestion, mood swings, and uh, immunity and autoimmune conditions. But I've chosen three that I believe are three of the fundamental, the foundation of making any change as far as um, whether it's weight, whether it's health, whether it's uh, autoimmune, any of those, because they, they, they really are, I would say, the foundation of, of change. And the three that I believe are so important is stress eating versus relaxed eating, toxic nutritional beliefs, and mindful eating. And it's actually quite incredible because they all they all actually play a part in each other. It's like one, you know, flows into the other. They flow into each other, all of them. Um, so yes, those are those are definitely the three fundamental uh, uh, areas to work on if you are having any form of either it's a health challenge or an eating challenge or a food issue or autoimmune as well. Yes. Would you please tell us about the first one? Okay, so it's the, the first of all, I just want to explain to you what stress actually means because it's quite an interesting uh, concept. But stress is any real or imagined threat and the body's response to that threat. So we're talking about when, when somebody talks about a fright, flight, and uh, a freeze mode, that's generally when you get attacked by somebody or you're running from something or you, you just freeze because of fear. Of, of, of any situation that's going on. And what, what happens in that situation is actually your digestion totally, totally shuts down. Because what happens is that the last place that you, your, your body needs to fuel for energy is your digestion because you're not eating anything in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. You're either running from something, you need to fight, fight, or you, you completely freeze. So you need the extra adrenaline or the extra insulin in your body to fight somebody away or to run away from somebody. And that's, that's like the physical, the actual physical effect with regards to stress. But what a lot of people don't understand or don't realize is that how we speak to ourselves, the situations that we put ourselves in in a stress situation allows our bodies to that exact chemical reaction happens even if there isn't actually a physical stress on you. Hmm. It's a mental stress as well. And 
the body can't determine, the body can't differentiate whether it's actually a physical stress or whether it's an uh, emotional stress. And that's why the second issue that I talk about is toxic nutritional beliefs, which is actually the beliefs that we, the, the uh, false beliefs that we talk, talk to ourselves about. For example, that food is an enemy, that appetite is the enemy, that mm. fat in food makes us fat, mm. or less food and more exercise is the royal way to weight loss. You know, and if only I was thin, then if I was thin, then my life would be completely different. You know, these are all toxic beliefs that unfortunately the diet culture drums into us from a very, very early age. And these beliefs impact enormously on how we eat because even before eating something, let's, I'm going to give you an example, actually a very funny example. And it's, it's something that I'm sure a lot of people who uh, have weight issues can relate to is that you've been on a diet and you've kept to the diet the whole week and you get to the end of that week. And not only have you not lost any weight, but you've actually gained weight. And you think to yourself, now, but now how does this work? Mm. I've kept to the diet. I've eaten all the salads. I've, I've, you know, I've hated eating the food. Why have I put it on weight and I haven't lost weight? And that's where the stress versus relaxed eating comes into things. Because when you eat something that you don't enjoy, so you sit in front of a salad and you're not a salad person. And mm. you're looking at the salad and you're thinking to yourself, oh, my gosh, I can't. I don't even know how I'm going to eat this, let alone keep it down. <laughs> I hate eating salad. You know, salad is my worst food in the world. So what's actually happening is you're telling your brain and you're telling your body that you're stressed about eating this. So what happens is the body goes into a stressed reaction and digestion completely shuts down. What happens is you go into uh, fight, flight, and freeze mode again because your body's stressed and it's, oh my gosh, who have I got to fight off here? What have I got to do? Digestion's out the window because eating isn't a part of this equation at the moment. We've got to run or we've got to fight. You know, so before you've even eaten anything, your digestion is completely courted. The, the acids and the... Uh, enzymes in the stomach are a third of what they should be or even a quarter of what they should be and then you start eating this meal How's, how how do you expect your body to to digest it fully and to assimilate the calories and uh, burn fat and you know create energy when that's the last thing that your body's even thinking about all it's doing now is, is is storing whatever energy and fat that it can in order to be able to deal with the stress that it's been put under it's actually uh, almost like a double-sided sword because by being stressed, you know, it doesn't matter what you eat. If, you're, if your body is in a stressed situation, your digestion is at, is at its minimal. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's actually what creates the situation that you're on diet and you, you stick to the diet, but at the end of the week, you actually don't end up losing an ounce or you, you gain weight. It's because the body is under stress. And so what it's doing is it's holding on to any fat or any extra uh, energy that it can to get you through your stressed situation instead of actually burning the calories. If you're relaxed, it's completely different because your body's completely relaxed. And the most important area that it's working on is your digestion. The, the, the frame of mind that you are eating in is absolutely crucial to your health to weight loss and to your autoimmune system. Because the minute you're under stress, 
your autoimmune system, you, you, you know, when you're relaxed, you produce an enzyme called endorphins. You know, when you laugh, your body creates endorphins. When you enjoy, your body creates endorphins. When you do sport, your body creates endorphins. And so when you're relaxed and you're happy, your body creates endorphins and your energy burning and your calorie burning is at its peak. So this is why it is just so important to to eat when you are relaxed instead of being stressed. You, you actually don't realize it and you don't realize that you're actually doing it. You do it subconsciously because you're so programmed to believing in these toxic beliefs that that are thrown at us all the time in marketing, in these dieting um, uh, programs and uh, diet foods and all these kinds of things. It's, the marketing is unbelievable. You know, and also you have to fit into a special mold. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fit into that mold, then you don't fit into society, which is just absolutely absurd. You know, we, we're not mass produced. <laughs> Everybody's an individual, you know. So all these things impact how we look at ourselves, how we speak to ourselves. I mean, how many times have you been in the kitchen or, or been somewhere and you've dropped something and you look and you say to yourself, oh, you're so stupid. You know, these are, these are negative things that we're constantly saying to ourselves, mm. you know, so to be more aware of how you speak to yourself. Okay, you dropped something, but instead of saying, oh, you're so stupid, you turn around and say, oh, that was silly, you know. Next time, just be more careful or, mm. you know, just speaking to yourself in a more gentle way. It just makes such a difference. And this is what we do to ourselves all the time, all the time. I mean, you know, when you're aware of it, when you just think about it, you know, like take a book with you one day and um, try and catch yourself every time you say something negative to yourself you'll be absolutely astounded. You'll be astounded at the end of the day, actually, how many times you speak negatively to yourself. And these all have not only impact on our eating and our digestion, but it also has impact on, on how, we, how um, we live our lives, the choices we make, you know, how we look at ourselves. And it's all, it's all parallel. Uh, you know, the way we eat, how we eat. Uh, I mean, I can I can watch somebody eating a plate of food and I'll be able to tell so much about how they actually live their life. You know, whether they're a, a slow eater, a fast eater or a moderate eater, because you generally tend to find that people that are fast eaters have a very fast paced life. You'll see that they are always on the run. You know, they, 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 they're not the type of person that will sit down and uh, get a glass of wine and, you know, maybe put some music on and sit in front of their, their plate and look at their plate of food and eat it, you know, and really appreciate what they're eating. They're the type of people that grab on the run, you know. Oh, I've got to be at a meeting in 20 minutes. I'll just quickly grab a sandwich. And while I'm on my way to my meeting, I'll eat my sandwich or I'll drink my, you know, my Coke or have a quick coffee or, you know, oh, never mind. I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee now. And then after the meeting, I'll go grab something on my way. That's the lifestyle. It's incredible how the parallel is. It makes one think. Oh, absolutely, because nobody even thinks about something like that. And mm -hmm. it's actually really funny because when I do work with people and we start bringing up these things and I say, okay, now today, for today, I want you to journal and see how many times you speak badly to yourself. And they come back and it's like, oh, my goodness gracious me, I had no idea. And it's all just being made aware. You know, you just, just that 
that awareness can make such a huge difference. Or, you know, listening to what somebody eats during the day. Uh, they get up in the morning at six o'clock and they have a cup of coffee and then they don't eat anything until 11 o'clock. And when they eat something, they have a biscuit or they have a biscuit and another cup of coffee. And then they can't understand why by one o'clock they sit down and they eat a meal and they, first of all, completely woof it down and they have pains afterwards and indigestion and uh, they overeat. And they say, well, you know, why is this? Because I don't eat the whole morning and then I have lunch and then I don't eat the whole day. And then at supper, I have a huge supper, but I'm not eating in between meals. And I, and, and I explain that, you know, it's uh, just by tweaking, by, by, by not allowing your, your stomach to go into stress because it's hungry. Mm. Uh, makes a huge difference also. And the energy, you know, your, your body starts storing fat because it's worried about when it's going to get its next meal. So no ways am I going to burn my fat. I'm going to store it because, you know, this person is hungry all the time. So they're going to need this extra fat to be able to produce energy for later on in the day because they don't stop running around. So what actually lands up happening is by you not eating or by you skipping meals, um, you're actually causing yourself to put on weight or to store the weight because the body can't differ differentiate that, you know, whether you're stressed or relaxed. So it, it, it's stressed because of the fact that you're not eating mm -hmm. and it's hungry and it needs the energy. So, oh my goodness, I must hold on to all the fat that I can possibly hold on to because otherwise I'm going to be starving. It's just such a, a vast topic and there are just so many little, little tips and little tools that if you just, if you just tweak those little, little, little things, it just makes such a difference. Yes. And while I'm listening to you, I realize that we look after our children, but we don't look after our bodies or ourselves in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your body is your temple. And the body is, you know, by listening to your body, your body sending you messages all the time. It's just that we ignore them. And the only time we actually start to listen to our bodies is when um, something goes wrong. You know, you either get an autoimmune disease or you come out in a terrible rash or you're not feeling well or you start getting reflux or you start getting indigestion or heartburn. Or These are all signs the body's telling you, hey, listen, I need some help here. Or this isn't agreeing with me. Please, can you change things? Because can't you see, can't you feel I'm showing you that this isn't good for me? It doesn't necessarily mean you're allergic to it or you can't ever eat it or drink it again. It's just your body saying, hey, listen, at this precise moment in time, I'm struggling with this. Mm -hmm. So let's build up, you know, let's build up a, a better relationship with whatever it is. And then slowly, 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 you can introduce it again. But help me because now it's not doing, it's hurting me rather than actually uh, helping me. That's a very helpful approach in contrast to just thinking that you must cut that thing out for the rest of your life, which probably isn't going to solve the problem anyway. No, it's not. It's not because whatever that thing had in it, whether it's like, let's take, for example, gluten, you know, you think, okay, well, if I don't eat uh, bread, then I'll feel much better. But you forget that pasta has gluten in it also. And if you haven't, if you haven't found out, if you haven't localized what it is that's actually upsetting you, You'll, you'll feel that, that, that way in, uh, by eating other things. So if you have a gluten sensitivity, it doesn't matter what 
what you're eating, you look at bread, for example, and you say, oh, well, maybe the bread's making you bloated. But what you don't realize is it's not necessarily the bread that's making you bloated. It could be the yeast that's making you bloated. It could be the gluten that's making you bloated. It could be the sugar that's making you bloated. So it's so important to to be aware of eating something and then noticing how your body reacts to that. Mm. And it's all experimental because it's not the same for everybody. No, it doesn't mean just because you have a sensitivity to yeast or gluten or sugar now that it's going to be like that for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? By just, uh, you know, like feeding your body things to to build it up, to build an immunity against it, to, to strengthen it. Like, for example, this IBS that doctors have now, uh, you know, named irritable bowel syndrome. You know, as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, irritable bowel syndrome is just a, a doctor's way of saying, look, I have absolutely no idea what's going on, why your tummy sore, why you're getting bloated. But uh, we're going to call it this and start taking antacids. But, you know, you'll find that you take the antacids and then uh, a month later, you're still in exactly the same situation because you're treating the symptom. You're not finding out what it is that's making your tummy bloated. You know, why is your tummy bloated? You know, why is it that when you eat a certain food, you are reacting to it? And first of all, you've got to find out which food it is that you're reacting to as well. Mm. And then you have to, to ask questions about it. 100%. Why is, when did it start? You know, all of a sudden somebody will start having a heartburn and they'll say, oh, I'm having terrible heartburn. You know, and I've been, and nothing's changed in my diet. I might have had a bit more alcohol. And the first thing to ask is, okay, when did it start? Oh, it started a month ago. Okay, what was going on in your life a month ago? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're eating something wrong or something's not agreeing with you. You could have gone through a terrible divorce or you moving house or you not happy at work or uh, a friend of yours is going through a rough time and you empathizing with them and you taking on their stress. That's your body's way of dealing with it. So you need to go back to find out what it is that's triggered that off and work on what happened there. This opens a whole new door, I think. Of course, of course, absolutely. And that's why I say to you that it's it's not the symptom I'm interested in. I want to know what is causing that symptom. Why is that happening? And when you find out why it's happening and you deal with why it's happened, the symptom miraculously disappears without you actually doing anything, <laughs> which is incredible. Mm. You know, and that that applies a lot to people that suffer from emotional eating, binge eating, uh, chronic dieters. It's not actually the food and it's not actually what you're eating. It's uh, it's it's your toxic beliefs. It's it's, it's what's what what happened? Why is it that this has become such a, a challenge for you? You know? The same question is, you know, you, you ask yourself, oh, well, if I was thin, then my life would be perfect. So if I had a magic wand and I gave you that wand and I said, you can wish for anything. And they wish for all these things that, oh, when I'm thin, I can do this. Well, why can't you achieve that even if you're not thin? Mm -hmm. What is stopping you from achieving that only if you're thin? And that opens up another completely different Pandora's box. Yes. Bev, you've come a long way 
since, well, I think you said 26 years ago when you started having these challenges. Now, what practical things do you do regularly that help you feel healthy and vibrant? Um, first of all, I'm going to tell you and your listeners that there is no magic pill. Mm. There's no magic pill that you take and you say, okay, well, now that I do this every single day, my whole life is going to change. It's definitely a, um, there are a lot of different little pieces of the puzzle that, that need to change in order for things to stay on an even kill. Um, and there are days, there are days that you don't feel good and you, you have bad days because there's no perfect world, there's no perfect situation and there's no perfect life. So you have good days and bad days. But as far as some tips that I can give you that can make a huge change and that can make a, a difference, I would say be more aware of what your body is telling you. When you've got a headache, don't just take a tablet and say, okay, well, I've had a bad day or whatever. Try and just think about why have I got that headache? If you're not a person that suffers from headaches, what happened today? What have I done today that's different? You know, like stomach ache or a bloatedness you, that you're always bloated. Just start looking at what you're eating and, and seeing how your body's reacting to it. Mm. Um, exercise. Exercise is so important. It allows your body to create endorphins. And endorphins is the happy enzyme. So in order to, to enhance that, do things that make you happy. And I'm not talking about exercise that you've got to go to the gym three times or four times or five times a week and do an aerobics class and, and do weights. And do, I'm not talking about that at all. If you enjoy dancing, go dancing once a week. Go for a walk with a loved one, uh, somebody that – your dog. And I'm not saying march for three quarters of an hour and come back and you're totally exhausted. I'm talking about go for a walk. Look at the beauty around you. Notice the flowers. Smell the scent from the flowers in the air. Notice the, the, the rain clouds or the clouds above you. Just be aware of your surroundings. Leave your phone at home. Just give yourself time to enjoy. Do things that you really enjoy. Food. Don't look at it as an enemy. Look at it as, 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 as a pleasure as something that is, is pleasurable in your life. Not that you have to eat. Do you eat to live or do you live to eat? There's a very, very big difference. And that makes such an impact. It makes such a difference to weight loss, to health, to your autoimmune system. Those are three things now that it just, I mean, you just become aware of those things and it, it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. Thank you, Bev. It really sounds to me as if they all have to do with joy. Of course. Just enjoying life. Enjoying. Enjoying yourself. Treating yourself. Be good to yourself. <laughs> mm. You know, it's be mindful of what you need because we forget about ourselves. We're so busy worrying about and taking care of everybody else that we forget about what we need. Thank you for those tips. Where can listeners connect to you? Um, at the moment, I'm actually in the middle of relaunching and rebranding. So I'm on Facebook, but it's not my business page yet. It's going to be uh, launched in about actually next month. 
Um, but basically by email, people can get hold of me by email, no problem at all. Uh, my email address is bevleibson at gmail.com um, or else through you. If, uh, you know, if they find it difficult to get hold of me, they can contact you as well. Yes, they certainly can. But what I'm going to do, you know, the podcasts stay available for a long time. So what I'm going to do when your website is up and running, then I'm going to add your details to both the podcasts themselves and to the article containing the podcast on my website. Oh, wonderful. That will be amazing. So in the meantime, it will be bevleibson at gmail.com. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. And anybody who's listening and who's interested in my recipe book, it's actually, I'll just tell you a little bit about it. It's not a recipe book that, you know, that has the most incredible recipes and all this. What I did was that I had a client that's a really busy mom and she was battling with recipes, you know, just quick recipes that she could make for dinners and, and for her kids and for the family that she didn't have to spend hours and hours in the kitchen. So I actually just created a recipe book, book for busy mums for her. And it's just actually gone crazy because so many people have really enjoyed it because what I do is I take one recipe and I give you two to three different options with that same recipe. Mm. So you cook once but you can create three different meals with that recipe. That sounds like a real time saver. It is. It's wonderful. And I've got a banana cake recipe in there that is absolutely delicious. <laughs> so that's just the one recipe that it's a one recipe thing, but you can make muffins with it. You can make cupcakes with it and you can make banana loaf with it. Whoever's interested in it or whoever wants it, please just to either email you or email me and I'll send it on with absolute pleasure as a gift from me. That's wonderful. I hope the listeners heard it's a free gift. And I'm also giving my email address, which is Mariette. Sney, S-N-Y, the first three letters of my surname. It's Mariette Sney at mweb.co.za. So thanks for the recipe book. And Bev, I still wanted to ask you, you work in person and online. Yes, absolutely. I do one-on-ones and I do groups and both online and obviously in person. Uh, in Israel, I work in person, but overseas, definitely all through uh, Zoom. Yes, now, are you ready for your fun question? Absolutely. I can't wait. I've been waiting <laughs> to hear this. <laughs> Bev, we're going to fantasy land, so you can let your imagination run wild. My question is, if you could invent a fruit that you would simply love, which color would it be and what would it taste like? Okay. All right. I think, let me think about this. What are my favorite fruits? This is going to be an interesting one. I think the color of the fruit would be a red and an orange together. Mm -hmm. And it would have different tastes. It wouldn't only have one taste. It would have almost like a mango combination of mango, lychee, and cherry. Depending on where you actually bite in the fruit <laughs> will give you the taste of these different, these different, you know, like I think the red would be more cherry and the, 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 the 
just it would have like a, almost like you'd eat this fruit and you think to yourself, now what is this? Is this a cherry? Is it a lychee? Is it a mango? What is this? <laughs> so I think it would just and it would just get the taste buds going and the saliva glands going and just <laughs> be juicy and delicious and crispy and oh, I'm letting myself go completely. <laughs> yes. Yes. But that, but that that's definitely what I would I would go for. Definitely that. That sounds wonderful. Maybe one day. Who knows? Oh, I hope so. You never know. <laughs> thank you, Beth. Thank you for sharing your journey and thank you for opening the door to what I think could be a healthier life. I'm certainly going to be more aware of how I treat myself in various ways. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and just thank you so much for inviting me and just being a part of this whole podcast because your podcasts are absolutely incredible. Thank you. And to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.